0: We're turning tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. my text for this evening can be found in the verse 14. You'll be familiar with these words of Paul. These are words of a benediction. A benediction is the pronouncing of a blessing upon a congregation. You'll have noticed that Uh, i pronounce the benediction and i'm sure other men who come here too they pronounce a benediction upon the congregation it's not some sort of popish thing it's a biblical thing paul here pronounced the blessing uh, from god upon the people and it's something that god has promised to his people the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the communion of the holy ghost be with you all and paul here pronounces this benediction upon the congregation at Corinth I don't want to deal with the subject of the benediction tonight and I'm not going to look at the whole benediction but just the first part of it Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and that's our theme for this evening the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ but we need the help of God so let us unite together in prayer Our Heavenly Father, we confess to be those who struggle with the deep things of God. But we thank Thee that Thou hast promised the illuminating power of the Holy Ghost. And Father, we ask Thee now for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. We pray, Father, for preaching that is in the Holy Ghost. We pray for minds that are desiring to see none but Jesus only. Father, come tonight. And lead us to behold thy son. He is the one that we love. He is the one that we ought to adore. He is the one that we want to be hungering and thirsting after tonight. So Father come tonight. And help us to see Christ. Manifest thy son in each of our hearts. Cause our love for, and our knowledge of him to grow. And intensify this evening. And may he have all the preeminence and all the glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The word grace is a very unique word, and it has a variety of usages in the English language. We know it's a name that can be used for a girl. I know many ladies, and their name is grace. We speak of saying a prayer before the meal. And we call that the grace. We ask somebody who's visiting, perhaps, would you say the grace? In the musical circles, it can refer to a musical note in a harmony or melody. And you maybe don't have it here, but in the United Kingdom, we have all these titles that are given to men and women, uh, Lord, Lady, etc. But one of the titles given to a noble person is your grace. But what exactly is grace in the proper biblical sense? Well, grace can be defined very simply as the unmerited favour of God. That's grace summed up very simply. The unmerited and undeserved favour of God. And friends, that means we cannot work for grace. There's not a thing you can do with your life, not a thing you can do with your hands, Not a state that you can get your heart or your mind into, whereby you can earn or merit grace. Nothing you can pay into the church can buy you grace, despite what the Roman Catholic Church would teach you tonight. There's nothing you can do to work for grace, and you cannot earn it. If you could, then it wouldn't be grace. It would be something that you have earned yourself, and it would cease to be grace. Grace is given to you by someone else that is god despite your unworthiness of it despite our utter unworthiness of it let me give an illustration of grace here tonight there was a preacher who was walking through the streets of philadelphia many years ago and he sees a little boy carrying a pitcher or a jug of milk the little boy trips And he drops the pitcher and it smashes and the milk goes everywhere. The preacher stops. He tries to help the boy gather the pieces of the pitcher together. But it's beyond repair. It can't be put back together. The little boy is inconsolable and refuses to go home. The preacher says, why don't you want to go home? And the little boy responds, because mama will whip me. If he returns home without the pitcher and without the milk. Instead of leaving the little boy in his state of misery, the preacher takes this little boy to a store and he buys him a new pitcher. He then takes the little boy and has him, or has the pitcher filled with milk. He then carries uh, the pitcher along with the boy to his house door. He hands the boy the pitcher of milk and asks him, will mama still whip you now? To which the little boy replies, no sir, this pitcher is far bigger and better than the one we had before. The point of emphasis from this illustration, the preacher didn't have to stop with this young boy. He didn't have to try and console him. He didn't have to buy him a pitcher, fill it with milk, carry the boy and the pitcher home. He was under no obligation to do so. But his actions were done completely out of grace. This boy did not deserve it from the preacher. The preacher did not have to help him. It was done by grace. Well I tell you tonight. That grace is unique. To the Christian religion. And it's unique. To the true biblical religion. Because the evangelical. Bible believing Christian. Is the only one who depends upon grace alone. And not some degree of works. If you search any other religion in the world. And somewhere and somehow. They will fit in a system of works. Whereby you have to do this. In order to demonstrate your salvation. But the Bible does not teach that salvation is by works. The Bible says for by grace are you saved. Through faith. Grace is unique to the Christian religion. It's a word that appears often in the Bible. 159 times we read of grace in scripture. In fact, it's a fundamental doctrine. That is a teaching. Because without grace, there's no salvation. If God did not display grace towards sinful men and women, we wouldn't have salvation. Christ would never have come into the world and you and I would be left in our sin and we would be cast into hell forever. But grace is also part of the nature of God because if God does not possess this virtue of grace, there's no hope for us, no hope at all. I believe the actions of God towards fallen men can be summed up in this one word, grace. Grace. And we see this grace personified so wonderfully in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. How often does the Apostle Paul and the other Apostles speak of the grace of Christ? Well, I want us to think upon that here tonight. This very important subject, this very important uh, attribute that Christ has. Grace to us. Three things that I want us to look at tonight about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, let us note the nature of His grace. And the first thing we can say is, His grace has always been there. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, Paul, writing to Timothy, says about Christ who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So grace was given to us in Christ before the world began. So that means that Christ had grace before this world began. Christ didn't develop grace whenever he commenced his ministry or at his incarnation. His grace has always been there. He has always been one who is full of grace and truth. John says that. John one fourteen The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You and I can be those who lack grace in our dealings with others, can we not? If we examine our hearts I think we'll find that we can. But the Lord Jesus Christ did not lack grace. The Bible tells us that he was full of grace, and what an attribute that is of our Saviour. And we're also told in 1 Timothy one timothy 1.14 and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Note two things there. The grace of Christ, Paul says to Timothy, is abundant. It's an abundant grace. It's not lacking. Maybe there's times we think uh, his grace won't help me in this situation. I'm too far gone for the Lord to help. His grace cannot come down into my circumstances and help me. Maybe there's times we think we've used up all his grace. Maybe times we think, you know, I pray so hard and I pray so often I ask the Lord for anything. Surely I've uh, I've used up all the grace... That I should receive. But his grace is abundant. His grace is demonstrated in faith and love. That's what Paul says to Timothy. It was exceeding abundant with faith and love. How is Christ's grace demonstrated to us? Here we're told it's exceedingly abundant with faith and love. His grace is also described as riches. In Ephesians 2 verse 7. Paul says that in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now God gives you riches today. Not the sort of riches that the world chases after. For the world chases after money. The world chases after the riches of pleasure. It's the riches of his grace. Now there's many churches that have met today. And they've been preaching about the riches of Christ that he will give to you and they will be preaching their prosperity gospel saying that God wants to fill your bank balance saying that God wants to give you a perfect health saying that God wants to give you wisdom dear friend the riches that Christ gives we're told here in Ephesians 2 verse 7 the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us what is the greatest blessing that Christ can give to you or me It's not to make us exceedingly rich in a worldly sense. It's not to give us perfect health to live as long as Methuselah did. The grace that Christ gives to us is the forgiveness of our sins. The grace that Christ gives to us is pulling us out of the grip of the devil and bringing us into his kingdom. This is the riches that we have in the gospel The blood of Christ is the most precious thing that was ever upon this earth. And it was shed for us. God's only son, his perfect son, was laid up on that cross, which was his altar. There he was sacrificed for us. This is the greatest riches that this world has ever known. But sadly, many men are preaching different riches from Christ today. Different men have different natures, and they can normally be summed up in one word. We can think of a man, we can maybe say, well he's a gentle man, or we can say he's a compassionate man, or maybe we'll not be so kind and we'll maybe say say he's an angry man, or a twisted man, or something like that. There's very few men, though, that we would maybe describe as graceful, or say they have an abundance of grace. Grace is not used to describe men because, sadly, uh, we, don't have the, uh, we don't naturally possess the fullness of grace. It's something we should work on, but we don't naturally have a fullness of grace. But this is one word that aptly sums up our Lord Jesus Christ in his dealing with men. Grace. Whenever we think of who we are and where we come from, we don't deserve Christ to even look upon us. We don't deserve that Christ would even think upon us. But he has. He has thought about us. He has looked upon us. In fact he's done far more than that. He's acted upon that. And he's come into the world. To be our saviour. Sadly the world has a corrupt view. Of the nature of Jesus Christ. They think he is forcing men into the bondage of religion. You ask an ungodly person what they think of Jesus Christ and what they think of his gospel. Oh, they'll certainly like the bits where you have to be kind to each other. They'll like the bits where um, you're to help out the poor and the charitable acts and all that. But if you speak to them about the message of Christ, of being converted and being born again... About following his commandments and loving him with all of your heart. They'll say, well that's too hard. You're putting men in bondage. That's not fair. We don't agree with that aspect of Jesus Christ's gospel. They will call him strict. They will call him a disciplinarian. They will accuse him of hindering the fun of men. They will accuse him of being unkind and uncaring. If you mention his judgment for sin... They will call him terrible things. But sadly the world fails to see the greatest quality of Christ. And the greatest quality of Christ is his grace. Dear friends everything we have in this world. The breath in our lungs. The health in our body to come here tonight. Food upon the table today. And the salvation upon our souls is only because of grace. If that grace wasn't there. We would have nothing. The nature of his grace. Let's think secondly tonight of the revelation of his grace. And the first thing we can say is that Christ is the one who initiated grace to fallen men. John 1.17 For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, dear friends, you and I cannot know the grace of God except through his Son. There's one mediator between God and men, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. So you and I did not initiate grace. We did not come and pray to God, God, show grace towards me. And then God acted upon that. No. We had no thoughts or inclinations of his grace. It's only that he came to us with the overtures of the gospel that we even had a thought about him. The fullest revelation of his grace came at the incarnation. In Second Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Many in the world today have little thought or care. Of the Incarnation. How sad it is that many who stand in pulpits today deny the Incarnation. But, dear friend, this is the greatest revelation of His grace. Think about it. The eternal, only begotten Son of God left heaven where He was worshipped perfectly, left heaven where there was no harm or danger towards Him, and came into this world as a helpless babe. Why? As an act of grace. To be the saviour of sinners. He didn't come to set up a, a military kingdom. He didn't set up to, or come to set up political reign. No! He came with one purpose in mind. To be a sacrifice upon a cross. And it was all of grace. His death was an act of grace. Hebrews 2 verse 9 says, But we see Jesus... Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man? It was an act of grace that took him to that cross in our place. He didn't deserve to be there. He committed no crimes worthy of death. There was no sin in him. He's the only one who has ever lived who has never sinned. And what did wicked men do? They nailed him to a tree. But he went willingly. It was an act of his grace that he was willing to lay down his life, that ransom for many. The revelation of his grace is also revealed in the forgiveness of sinners. Romans 3.24 says that we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Men and women in their natural condition have a problem. They do not stand just before God. But by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the redemption that he has procured for us. We now can stand justified before God. We can stand before God just as if we had never sinned. And it's all an act of his grace. But men and women don't see that today. One of the saddest things about talking to men and women on the streets at open airs is they think they'll stand before God on the day of judgment and they say, I'll be okay, or I'll tell God, or I'll argue with God. Dear friend, they'll do no such thing. We have a need to stand before God justified. If God was to read out the list of our sins, we wouldn't be able to argue with him at all but Christ is the one who through his grace is able to make us just and his grace brings salvation to the sinner Romans five fifteen. 15 but not as the offence so also is the free gift for if through the offence of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded on to many. Christ is the one who brings salvation. We do not earn salvation. We do not merit it. The Pope cannot grant it to us. No. Christ gives that gift. And it's all by grace. His grace imparts faith to our souls. Acts 15.11 But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. His grace leads to eternal life Romans 5:21 that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our lord You see everybody wants to be in heaven nobody wants to think of the terrible alternative of hell but nobody or very few want to accept what the bible says that it's by grace alone so many are depending upon their own way and their own righteousness. But his grace leads to eternal life. And his grace is bestowed upon those who believe. We spoke earlier of benedictions. There's 23 benedictions recorded in the New Testament that speak of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 23 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, is probably the most common and the most familiar. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. His grace is not just given to us at salvation. His grace is with us every second of every day. Maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering, well, how would I live as a Christian? How could I keep myself as a Christian? I would feel I'd go back to my sin. I'd wander away from God. My heart would grow cold. But he promises his grace. Not just at the moment of conversion. But every second of every day. He has promised I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We've thought of the nature of his grace and the revelation of his grace think finally of the example of his grace we are to follow you see grace is not a quality that is limited to christ it's a fruit of the spirit that should be in every professing believer it's an evidence of our salvation the apostle paul desired grace to the churches, Romans one verse seven, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. he desired Paul desired grace to individuals when he blessed them in his epistles, to Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. think of what he wrote to Timothy, first Timothy one two Unto Timothy my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And Paul encouraged Timothy to trust and rely upon the grace of Christ. That's what we're to do, and encourage others to do as well. Second Timothy two verse one Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in his grace, Timothy. Lean upon his grace. Trust upon his grace. He has saved you from sin. He'll help you. And he'll be with you through all of your journey in life. And Peter encourages us to grow in grace. 2 Peter three eighteen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, our Savior has an infinite amount of grace, but we don't. We're mere mortal beings. And we need to obey this exhortation of Peter. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. Trust in him more. James teaches us to seek God for more grace. James 4 verse 6. But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the pride, but giveth grace unto the humble. He doesn't give grace to the pride, because they don't need it. They think they've everything. He gives grace to the humble. And dear friend, whenever we see what we are, and we see that all that we have comes from the hand of God, and by his sovereign grace alone, we'll humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, give me more grace today. Than you gave me yesterday. John teaches us. To be having continual experiences. Of the grace of Christ in our lives. 2nd John. Verse 3. Grace be with you. And mercy and peace. From God the Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of the Father in truth and love. Grace be with you. That's what we need every day. Lord, I need thy grace. I need to experience myself. I need to be living in it. But there's also a warning not to follow, dear friend. In Jude verse 4, he writes warning that there are certain men crept in on the words who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, Turning the grace of our God, the grace of our God, into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's something concerning here. There are some who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. What does Jude mean here? Well, he's saying that there are those who use the grace of Christ as an excuse to sin. There are people who existed in his day, who exist in our day too, who will say, I'm under grace, so therefore, it doesn't matter that I commit iniquity. I have a license to do what I want, to the pure. All things are pure. They quote the Bible out of context. And sadly, we meet people in the professing church today who see no problem with immorality, who see no problem with fornication, who see no problem with greed. You see no problem with drunkenness. see no problem with uh, engaging in all the ungodly behavior of the world. And they'll say, well I'm under grace. So therefore it's okay. And sadly it's very common. And it's even happening in evangelical circles as well. But Jude here isn't talking about the ungodly Christ rejectors here. He's speaking of those who have crept into the church. Spreading this message. You're under grace. You can live how you like. Well dear friend. The Lord Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. So we can live how we like. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. To pay the penalty for our sin. And he said. uh, Go and sin no more. Go and keep my commandments. And love me with all of your heart. And if we do love him. We will obey him and we will serve him. So dear friends, yes, we're under grace as far as the gospel is concerned and the salvation of our souls. But it doesn't give us a license to live how we like. Being under grace is bringing us under the hand of God. It's bringing us under the law of God. Sadly today, antinomianism, that is lawlessness, It's a big problem in the church. Well it's very easy. To adopt that attitude. Because it means you can. Live how you like. It means the Bible doesn't have any authority over you. It means. You can be your own God. If the law isn't relevant for you. And the word of God isn't relevant. You can be that adulterer. You can be that thieving businessman. Dear friend. We are not those who live without the law. If you want to fill your church today, that's probably the best doctrine you can adopt. Live how you like. Because that's what the natural heart of man wants. We want to be our own king. We want to rule our own life. We don't want to have to live by God's law. We want to live by our laws. The true child of God will want to live under Christ's law and they will not be a burden or a hindrance to them but they will want to keep his commandments to please him but also for our own good dear friends we only meet together tonight because of grace we can only sing to God and be heard of him Because of grace. We can only pray and read our Bible because of grace. Ultimately we can only know God. Because of grace. But there was a price that had to be paid for you and I to receive grace. And if this price was not paid. There would be no grace for me and no grace for you. And the price that had to be paid was the price of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on that cross. bearing our sin and having suffered the wrath of God for it. If that was not paid. Dear friend there would be no message tonight. There would be no Bible. There would be no hope. Everything we have depends upon his grace alone. But let me ask in closing. Are you depending upon his grace? Or are you depending upon some work that you've mustered up in your own heart and mind? Are you depending upon even some profession of faith that you're trusting that you've made? I've professed to be a Christian, therefore I must be saved. We can run the risk of relying upon our profession rather than relying upon his grace. And that's very serious, especially in evangelical service circles we can rely on something we have said some prayer that we have offered instead of relying upon the savior we must rely upon him and we must rely upon his grace alone because it's only his grace that saves and his grace that will take us to heaven let's unite together in prayer our heavenly father we do thank thee for the grace of our lord jesus christ without his grace father we would have no hope without his grace we would be still in the mire of our sin but we thank thee for reaching down so far in order to pick up so little pardon our many transgressions here tonight and help us to be leaning upon christ alone and his grace alone for salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.